0: Hello, how you doing? My name is Ellie Angel Mobs. Hope you're staying safe and staying well. Welcome to another episode of Living With Endo, the A to Z of endometriosis. This podcast is all about getting the conversations out there about an illness that affects one in nine Australian women, endometriosis. For many, it's a scary journey, which when you first get told the endo word, you're like, I actually don't even know what that is. Endo what? (laughs) And one of those people who had that thought is Julie Snook. Now, she is a news presenter on Channel 9. You'll see her on the TV. And she's also an ambassador for Endometriosis Australia. And we got to catch up to talk all things endometriosis. Hey Julie, how's life been over the past couple of months with isolation and working and then getting back to, well, the new normal? Well, I have been one of the very, very lucky
1: ones in the sense that I have maintained my day-to-day job. Yes, I work from home um, a a lot more hours than I would normally, but I still get to come in, I still get to see people. So that, I think, has been wonderful for Mm. my mindset and morale and um, there is so much to be said for being around people and You know, I I really feel for those ones that are stuck at home, you know, inside the four walls the whole time, but uh, I've been very, very lucky, so sort of a fairly normal routine, I suppose, just trying to keep a normal routine. Um, plus, as you know, we have a fur baby who keeps us mm-hmm. so entertained <laughs> that um, even when I'm stuck inside, I've got plenty, yeah. plenty happening.
0: Have you found that uh, Daphne, your beautiful <laughs> um follow her on Instagram. She is absolutely <laughs> adorable. You just look at those eyes and go, oh, my heart melts. Oh. Have you noticed that if you've had a pain flare up, your dog knows?
1: Oh, it's so true. I really find this fascinating. And I took a photo actually of it recently because I was feeling average. You know what it's like at home on the couch in the uh, in the stretchy PJs, heat pack on. I was still sitting down and doing a little bit of work, but um, she just popped her head straight on my belly mm-hmm. and just sat, sat there. And so I said to my fiance, I was like, have a look at this. And it was just, it was the first time she'd done it. She didn't leave my side. I was sick for about 24 hours after that.
0: Didn't leave my side. I just sense when you're not feeling yeah. it, which is a beautiful was, comfort to have.
1: Oh, it's so lovely. She was so cuddly and she just, she did not leave my side. And that was the first time I'd had that. And it was really, they're very intuitive. Mm. They're very, very intuitive. So there's a lot to be said for having a little fur baby around, especially at
0: a time like this. Absolutely. Now let's talk about your endo journey. You like mm. to label yourself as a frequent flyer. <laughs> Uh, which I know I've said too when I've been yeah. wheeled on into the operating table and I'll see the anaesthetist who I've seen about 10 times and I'll joke, yep. like, time to get my frequent flyer card stamped. Yep, exactly. We'd, we'd be gold members. Actually, you know what? Probably be platinum. I, and that's the thing.
1: I feel like there isn't some fancy lounge that we get to go into. No. Like, we don't get any rewards for this. And I'm just, I do feel a little bit ripped off because I say the same thing when I go in. I'm like, oh, I'm back again. It's time. I'm a frequent flyer. And you know what? That's our coping mechanism. you got to make a bit of fun, have a bit of a joke about it when you're in that position and you're about to be wheeled on in for the umpteenth time and um, oh, yes. you're on the verge so of you,
0: tears and... Twelve surgeries is what you've been doing mm-hmm. with your endometriosis journey. Yeah. So when did you first notice mm, something's not right?
1: I was a teenager and I recall... Having a lot of pain and um, a lot of symptoms that were really unexplained. And I suppose as a teenager, you're going through all these changes, and it's really hard for anyone, family, uh, doctors, to pinpoint exactly what it is because you know hormones are all over the place, mood swings are everywhere. Uh, But there was, I wasn't well as a teenager, and um, we couldn't quite pinpoint what it was. Then as I got older, uh, and I mean only around 18 or 19. I was working full time. I was a cadet journalist and the pain intensified and I got really, really sick and I, I'm blacking out, uh, couldn't get out of bed. Just all these things that weren't making sense. And it was a case of going back to the doctor and saying something's not right. I, I'm just not right. And you can't pinpoint it, which is really frustrating, as we all know. But um I was 19 when I was finally diagnosed after pushing my GP, really pushing my GP to convince her that something wasn't normal. Mm. Uh, And then I finally got a referral to a gynecologist who within about 30 seconds of reading my notes and seeing me said, I think uh, you have endometriosis, but to confirm that we're going to have to go in for keyhole surgery uh, laparoscopy and and confirm. And that was the very first time I'd heard the word. I had no idea what it was, didn't wow. know
0: how to spell it, uh, didn't know how to say it. <laughs> yeah. And uh, the, you I'm... mentioned the spelling thing. There's a lot of doctors who don't actually know how to spell it. <laughs> yeah. and I go, sorry, end like, what, huh? Yeah,
1: exactly. So it's like on the phone to me, I'm going, I don't know, it's something, you know, and you really play it down because you've got zero clue what it was. And so this was, well, I'm, I'll be 33 this year. So I was 19 at the time. And I just hadn't, I didn't have a clue. Yeah, I didn't and, have a clue what it was or, or the impacts it would have.
0: And we're similar age as well. And back then there wasn't as much information. Like you probably could Google something and potentially there'd be some information like there for to you, nothing. but you must've walked out of that gynecologist office and going, I have no idea what they're talking about. Yeah, what is none, going on?
1: None, none. Even when I booked in the day surgery I was very blasé about it all and didn't even bother telling my dad. I thought, oh, he doesn't need to worry. I briefly told my mum, went in for the surgery. I was re- living in regional New South Wales, so I actually had to travel an hour to get to the hospital that I needed to be at. Um, and I just presumed it would be sort of a, a super simple thing, which on paper it is. Um, but unfortunately, for those that have been through the the laparoscopies, they're not actually that simple to recover from no
0: Um, and it's funny you mentioned that because I've got a friend who just had one and she kind of got told oh you you'll be able to you know take one or two days off work you'll be fine she took two weeks off yeah exactly
1: I did the same thing I took one day off work and then I called the next day and was like I I don't think I'll be back in for a week and even then I was pushing myself to get back because I was only new at my job yeah um (laughs) no one no one's really honest with view about well back again we're going back a while Mm. so it's very different even even the um technology now is entirely different to what we had back then and we're not talking a huge amount of time it's you know 15 years 10 15 years but uh you know it certainly progressed a lot since that time.
0: Being so new in your job as a, as a journo, which is a very competitive industry to get into. Did mm. you just push through days where you were in extreme pain? Because you thought, if I don't go to work, the boss is going to put a big red mark next to my name and I'm going to eventually lose my job.
1: Oh, of course. And mm. I did that for the first, oh, probably decade. I, at that point in time, was a first year cadet journalist straight out of high school. So working full time, studying full time. At a regional newspaper, to come out and say, "Hey, I've got endometriosis and I feel sick," it it just wasn't an option, and that was on me. You know, that's on me. But I have not been open and upfront and honest about this until about two years ago, mm. when I started my work with Endo Australia. For no, I I I don't know why, but it just felt something. It was really private and something I didn't think people cared to know or wanted to know, or I didn't want people to think it was an excuse. Yeah. And so it was something I kept quite personal to, to me. But then I found once I was open and upfront and honest and, you know, spoke to you guys and got the story out there that it was actually the opposite. People were incredibly understanding, incredibly supportive, um, really went above and beyond and still do to make sure I'm okay. Um, work is come second now you know, and yeah. once upon a time that didn't feel like that was an option.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's all those pressures. It's like, oh. and then you go through this, the anxiety of overthinking everything that, oh, we're mm-hmm. not at work. So they're going to be thinking about replacing me. And then you go through those struggles as well. So you get amazing support from Channel 9 at the moment, which is great because, I don't hear it today, fam. There's days where I'll be, you know, on the studio floor in the fetal position for a couple of minutes. But but at least now there's an understanding and they go, okay, Ellie's dealing with that at the moment, so what can we do to help her? It's not, oh, well, nah, she's got a cross against her name.
1: Exactly, exactly. And I was really surprised. I don't know why I thought perhaps that would be the case, but um, I really loved, and I've said this before, so many men particularly here at nine, have been so supportive and, oh, I'm sorry to hear you're not well today. Is there anything we can do or how are you feeling? And um, I've got a sister or a cousin or my wife that has the same thing. They're very, very empathetic. And that so means so much to you when you're feeling like crap and you're yeah. sitting at your desk and you've got a heat pack on and <laughs> you actually can't go anywhere and you don't want to do anything and you certainly don't want to pop a smile on in front of a camera. To have that support around you um, and, and people that are just like, oh, you feel average. I'm so sorry, mate. I that makes
0: that you're yeah, able it's... to. I mean, because you've got to present in front of the camera uh, to yeah. be there in intense pain and put on a smile across the oh, nation for TV. I, I just don't know how you do it.
1: There are some days that's not pretty and, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> jo- it's not pretty. But the thing is, as I've got older, I've learned to listen to my body more and and now like I said it's me first work second and if I have to call in sick I have to call in sick because if I'm not here 100% physically and mentally I'm not doing my job properly and no one is so I I just listen much more than I ever used to I used to be so worried about calling in sick and then as you get older
0: priorities change absolutely so when you have those days where the pain is really bad what are your go-tos what are your tips
1: my tips, well, you need a good heat pack. Yes. <laughs> I've got this incredible one. It looks so bizarre. It's a metre-long hot water bottle, okay. old-school hot water bottle. It's like it does. It looks very questionable. And you can wrap it around you and tie it so it comes all the way around. And it's amazing. And it's so, it's so odd-looking, but it's incredible. I think it's a company in the States it's, it's amazing. I've got my TENS machine as well, which can be really, really good. Sadly, you know, you've got the painkillers if you need them. But I think my thing is, and again, as I've got older, I'm, I'm cool with this, is just letting yourself wallow in that moment mm. and, and be fine with not being well and just write it out and just don't, don't feel guilty. Don't think I should be doing a million other things or people are relying on me. Like, don't worry about that. Just feel like crap let yourself feel like crap, look like crap, wear baggy <laughs> clothes and call my mum. I like to call my mum when I'm feeling a bit down and out. And even yeah. if it means I'm having a cry, yeah. I, um, I'll i give my mum a call. And my fiancé, he's incredible. He's so supportive. He runs baths for me. Okay. He goes and gets my favourite food, like a pho. I always have pho when I'm losing. Really
0: yeah, pho, it's comfort soup. I it's that comfort that food, right? Your belly. I was going to ask with your fiancé, when you guys first got together, how did you have that conversation if you've got this chronic illness?
1: I was really upfront really early, to yeah. be honest, because again, and this is only, I'm sure it comes with age. I just thought, bugger it. It's so hard to hide. And it's such a huge part of me that if I'm trying to hide uh, how I'm feeling, particularly how I'm looking, it's just going to be weird. So I just sort of came out with it one day and I'm very lucky. He goes, he's a switched on guy. He's he, he's a sensitive guy he went and researched the very next day and he probably knows more about it than I do, to be honest. He's incredible. And so he's really, he just jumps into that survivor mode with me when things are really tough. He's got a great understanding of it now. And what's also been great is that his mates have jumped on board too. So if I'm not well and can't go to something, I'll get a text from the boys saying, I'm so sorry, hope you're feeling okay. We'll see you next time. They've all of a sudden started talking about it. So it's not like this taboo topic that it's women's only business. Um, If Hugo says, oh, Julie's not well today, the boys will have a conversation about it, which I think is really good. And it's really important that even if you're not impacted by yourself, you understand what's going on and how serious it is.
0: I think that's a really great point you make. And I know that my husband will have those conversations with his mates and, and mm. they'll check in to make sure that I'm doing all right, as will their partners. And I think it is as well, because as men, um, you know, my husband's got a, a daughter, um, so she's about 25. And I think in the back of his mind, he's there going, oh my gosh, I really hope that she doesn't have endometriosis Mm. because I don't want to see my daughter go through what my wife's going through. Exactly. Um, And I think, yeah, it's just, and that's why it's really good too for someone like yourself who is in the public eye to be so open and honest about this taboo. Well, it's not taboo anymore. It's not
1: taboo, but yeah.
0: yeah. And I think people
1: sometimes get a little uncomfortable with it because it's like women's only type topic. But um, we've had so many awesome ambassadors and so many awesome women come out and say, hi, I've got this and this is how it impacts me. And I think reading those words, especially some beautiful articles out there, I think that really hits home for people because it could be your sister, your wife, your girlfriend, your best friend, your daughter. You know, some of the most heartfelt messages I've seen have come from fathers Mm. and partners. So I think it's really, it's really cool that they're out there having those conversations.
0: So if someone's listening to this right now, it might be a, a bloke or it could be a father. What would your advice be to them?
1: Oh, that's a good question. Listen, to be honest, because I think a lot of people perhaps question because you can't see it. Mm. It's not a broken arm and it's not a traditional popper cast on and that'll fix it. Dads want to fix. Men want to fix things. Yes, And unfortunately, a Band-Aid won't fix this, but support and understanding will. So if it's just a hug because someone's in pain and they're crying or if it's heating up the heat pack or going and getting a foe or a lamington or whatever it might be, little things like that to help, that is the best you can do to fix it, I think is probably what I've found along the way. Men may not be great at conveying how they're feeling or saying what they really want to say to you, but if they can help in a little way, that goes a long way to us.
0: I love that. And, and how are you feeling at the moment? Has the endo been behaving? Has it been up and down? Like, Ooh. How's it looking for you at the moment?
1: Oh, look, you know what it's like. It's very up and down. Mm. It's a bit of a roller coaster. I'm pretty lucky at the moment. I'm not too bad. I've just come off the back of a bit of a tough, tough trot with it. I will be heading in for another surgery this year. Okay. Um, so that's something to Prepare for, mm. but you know, I've ch- changed the diet, sort of focusing on a few different other little bits and pieces, seeing naturopath and and doing a bit of Pilates and just sort of, uh, like I said, listening to the body a bit more, taking uh, care I... of yourself
0: and doing yeah. doing the right things and going above and beyond. Like you mentioned, the eating is something that I really need to get onto because I know I love my bread and there's a lot of oh. things around saying, oh, maybe you should, you know, just yeah, stick clear well, of the I've... gluten.
1: I'm two weeks into no gluten um, and no lactose and it's boring, let me tell you. (laughs) But I'm finding ways to be creative and I have a sweet tooth and I love carbs. I love bread. So I'm finding ways of trying to, to deal with that. But to be honest, I have noticed a dramatic improvement from cutting those two things out and it's only been a couple of weeks. So yeah. I, I say that as I stand here rubbing my uh, swollen stomach at the moment. So it's, <laughs> it's probably not doing such a great uh, job today, but um, you know what it's like. It's a roller coaster. So while I'm not having those awful, awful, huge days of
0: bloating. Um, Got to love yeah. the
1: old endo belly.
0: Oh,
1: I know. It's awful. My, literally, I'm standing here in a dressing room at work and my jeans are <laughs> undone and I'm
0: rubbing my belly like a pregnant woman. <laughs> what a good look. At least you're able to hide that when you're behind the news desk. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. They only shoot waist up, so that's good. Oh well, Julie Snook from Channel Nine, uh, you were an absolutely incredible ambassador for Endometriosis Australia. Thank you so much for opening up about your journey over the years and a uh, best of luck for the surgery this year. And fingers crossed, you know, you won't be getting the frequent flyer cards stamped as much in the future. Oh, thank you so much.
1: Thank you so much for doing this as well. I think it's a it's a great idea and it great conversation to be had so you get some
0: wonderful stories thank you so much to julie Snook for being so open and honest about her endo journey thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of living with endo the a to z of endometriosis you can always check out the endometriosis australia website for all the information that you need around this illness EndometriosisAustralia.org. next episode will feature another one of our amazing ambassadors Sarah Marie Cameron. She's a fellow radio presenter with me and she has got an incredible story you will not want to miss. It is coming up on the next episode of this podcast. In the meantime, stay safe, stay well, and make sure you give this podcast five stars, leave it a review and continue to share the love.